This is an explicit podcast, okay. so say what you need to say. Okay, so like <laughs> the semen from a man, it represented like the beginning of life. Mm-hmm. The woman represented just the incubating space for that. So if any semen was spilled for any non-procreative reason, it was equivalent to like murder. It was a crime. Because you're spilling life, like you're wasting life. Right. The reason why this is so fascinating to me is because growing up also in a very like strict Christian religious household, I was surrounded by this belief that homosexuality was a sin. But that was another one of those things in the back of my mind that didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And I do think that our ability to create life as humans, like a man and a woman able to create a child, it's a superpower. It's a level of creation. But you could also argue that art is just as powerful, Mm -hmm. right? right? You take your trauma and your pain and your hurt and you take all this evil, ugly stuff, you filter it through yourself and you give birth to something beautiful, mm-hmm. which is art. Mm-hmm. It's not alive, but it lives through you and it lives through everybody else. Well, Meg, welcome to Question Everything. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. I uh, so we we met uh, nine months ago. No, shoot, it was like eleven months ago, something like that. Pretty soon after Cole and I moved here. And uh... hey, it's me from the future. There's a lot of distorted audio in this episode because our microphones were acting weird. Um, Didn't know until we were done recording. So there's a couple times where we sound like robots. If you want to pretend that we're robots, that's cool. Maybe we actually are because AI is really convincing nowadays. So have fun with that and enjoy the rest of the episode. (laughs) Yeah. She was opening for Carly Hansen and you took photos for her graciously. And that was like super cool. Um. And my vibe right off the bat was like, this chick's cool. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you. Um, when I was thinking about the first few people that I wanted on the podcast, I thought about people that would really like set the stage and kind of like give people a good introduction to the vibe mm-hmm. of the podcast, but also um, give people an idea of the types of people that are going to be on the show for episodes to come. Mm-hmm. And it's really like entrepreneurs, creators, spirituals, like people like that. And so you kind of fit all three, which is interesting. <laughs> so um, I'm curious, like if you were to describe yourself and what you do, how would you do that? Oh, man. Okay. So I would say human, queer. I am a maker of art. Yeah. A person of faith. Yeah. That was a crazy combo. It is. It is. I feel like the uh, the different aspects of that are going to come up throughout our conversation today. So, um, yeah, you, you don't typically hear, like, the four of those together. Obviously, human. I, I'm with you. <laughs> Same here. Um, I'm curious. So like, cause we've gotten to know each other a little bit before filming, um, a thread that runs throughout almost everything that I talk about is religion, spirituality, because it's a huge part of my past and also a huge part of who I am now, just in a different way. So the thing that was surprising to me is that you, um, like labels aside, you follow Jesus Christ or you believe in Jesus Christ. So uh, I I try not to have like too many expectations of like what somebody believes when I meet them, but um, I was, that's very intriguing to me. So I, I'm sure that there's a lot of nuance to the topic, but I'm curious what your experience is right now where you're at in life with um, you know, identifying as queer, not like, do you identify as a Christian or is there something, is there something else that you identify as? Like, 
what does that dynamic look like for you as an individual? Oh, man. So I feel that like up to this point, I've just been, if I can describe it, like picture like a deep well. Okay. And over time, like religion, family, especially, but really religion, upbringing, how everything, all this, all of these like components have been poured in to this well, and I am that well. Yeah. And you get, you just kind of get to this point where you're like, oh man, I, it needs to stop and I need to like start peeling some of this out of me. Mm. I wish that I had a picture to just expedite the process and just yeah like you could physically take <laughs> yeah it I feel like yeah. I've been giving I've been given like a teaspoon and I'm having to just oh um <clears throat> kind of like just, look and see the stuff that's floating around in yeah, and be like, oh. <laughs> yeah yeah and and it's it's taken me a long time to get to this point of not deconstructing my faith but more like kind of rearranging and reconstructing some things um, in ways that I felt that I didn't or I I couldn't or I wasn't allowed to. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it's been it's been a wild it's been a wild ride. Um, I'm a sucker for analogies, so that's like that was a good move. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, how can I? Yeah. How can I describe it in like just that? Yeah, the the visuals are are really powerful for me, and I know that a lot of people that um like watch my stuff, they I attract them with analogies. Like that's yeah. how how it works. So the well thing is really interesting. Um, you had you said that not really deconstructing your faith, but just reconstructing other aspects of your life. So like what, because I know a lot of Christianity is very uh, challenging for queer people, Mm -hmm. um, let alone everybody else, I think, (laughs) in some ways. And so I'm curious if, like, what does deconstructing mean to you? And if you feel like that's not what you've done, like, what does that process look like if you're reconstructing other things? I feel that when people think of like, deconstruction is just a completely undoing and stripping away of what was your foundation and interesting and then for me in my case i feel that i'm not at a place where i i i don't have to do that because i know for one thing there are still like elements that i still cling to and I still have hope in as far as what I was taught about Jesus walking on this earth and and healing people and performing incredible miracles and being born in a little bar, you know, just very like beautiful beautiful stories and values that I, that still, I still hold to my heart very closely. Um, that I, I don't doubt and Mm. I still very much believe in that. So that has remained a part of your foundation, like you said. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So what, what hasn't remained a part of that foundation or what wasn't a part of the foundation at all because that's um thinking about like paling water out of a well right really figuring out okay i'm this well and people have poured this stuff into me mm-hmm. this happens with like family this happens in school mm-hmm. it happens everywhere mm-hmm. in society it's like we kind of come into the world with some things that are inherent to us even right. as babies but then mm-hmm. most everything else is something that we soak up from the outside. Right. Um, What's something that's poured in from the outside. Yeah. And so it's hard to like know, okay, what what was the foundation Mm -hmm. before that I've kind of taken away? Mm -hmm. Or 
was it all just piled on top mm -hmm. and that the foundation was always the same and it hasn't changed at all. So mm -hmm. like what things have changed and do you feel like that was part of your foundation or not? I feel that if I can, again, I'm going to use another analogy. Let's go. All right. <laughs> so like, I feel that since I was a child, I always, I always knew, I always knew that I was different mm. and that I liked girls. And so I feel that like over time, these desires, these like pure desires that I had over time were divided in half. So you have this one part where you have this pure, innocent, this is me. And then you have this other part where it's the part that you want people to see. Yeah. Um, and they define that other part of you. Because it's the part they'll accept and they kind of give you a checklist of what's acceptable. Right, right. And so when they categorize that as clean and and acceptable worthy worthy hmm. then you have no other choice but to take this uh, the the real part of you in essence the authentic part your authentic desires you take that part and you hide it yeah and so you kind of like just operate in a world and you walk through life with this other part for them to just see and that's who they come to know you as yeah and so i feel that over time that's just what they knew me as and i'll i mean i'll never forget i was in the car with my mom and i randomly just said to her mom i'm going to i'm going to marry a girl someday and that's a that's like coming right out the gate. Like, coming right out. That, and I think I'm. I'm, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm literally going to marry a woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I was little, and my mom, of course, she was you know driving, and she was like looking through the weird. She's like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know. Sure, Meg. Yeah, yeah, and. um and so how old were you oh my goodness i wasn't even 10 years old so because that was going to be one of my questions was did you you said that you've always known there's a difference between knowing something and really acknowledging it mm -hmm. like you can know in the back of your mind there can be this presence so for me um in the church that i grew up in there was always this thing in the back of my mind where i knew that something was off mm -hmm. like i kind of knew that there was something wrong here and that I was being manipulated into thinking and believing and acting a certain way, mm -hmm. but I never acknowledged it. Mm -hmm. And even when I left at 16 and separated myself from it, I still couldn't acknowledge mm -hmm. that what, what was really happening. Mm -hmm. I just said, oh, it's not for me. Mm -hmm. Like uh, it, it, it just doesn't really make sense to me and I'm never going to speak badly about it, mm -hmm. but it doesn't make sense for me. And so- it wasn't until my 20s where I finally acknowledged what was really happening. Mm -hmm. So for you, you did acknowledge it. You were like, I like girls. Right, right. What was that like? Oh, you know, and it's funny because like I I don't even remember saying that. Did she remind you? She, she told me when I was older. Mm. But I mean, there are a lot of things that I... I feel that I repressed and that my body blocked out as a way of like protecting me. Yeah. Um, but it's crazy that you asked that because I think of really like acknowledging, like acknowledging it and actually saying it to my parents just over like just a year ago. Because 
I feel that they knew before I did. Mm. Or like they knew before you acknowledged it to them? Or like they knew before you even felt the feelings? Or what do you mean? I feel that they they knew before I acknowledged it gotcha. when I actually stated it. And mm. their hope was that if that was going to be the case, that I would not act on anything, but that I would lead this devoted like Christian life to God, my husband, and not and just do just do work for him, almost kind of, I don't know, like lead a celibate life. I don't know what they like. I just knew that that was their, yeah, their prayer and their hope for me, if that was going to be the case, that I don't act on any of these feelings that I had. And so they really didn't bring it up. And I remember when I experienced my very first like crush in my sophomore year of college. Wow. And, but I kept it a secret because I was too ashamed of, of course, like how they would feel. And I was like, but you knew that it was a crush. Like, oh, I, you weren't convincing yourself that it was. It was like, and I, I, no. And, I was at the time, like on leadership staff, had this um, student Christian organization, uh, organization, and it was <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, just, I mean, growing up, I mean, church was my life, and so I was already involved with like church roles. Yeah. So of course, I kept it like to myself. Um, but my mom, the day that I like I, I couldn't deal with the guilt and and the secrecy anymore and so the day that i wanted to approach my mom about it she came to me and said god gave me a, a dream he gave me a vision about you and i saw this other girl and i knew and and I, of course, I, I cried and I, I just felt so kind of like powerless. Hmm. Um, was it hard for you that you didn't, like, were you, do you feel like it disempowered you a little bit to not be the one to say it? Almost like she was saying it first. And so it, it kind of like. Yeah, yeah. And, and so. I just, I, I listened to her and I, I broke it off with the girl um, I was seeing and I stepped down from the leadership role that I was involved in and and my parents strongly suggested that I see a Christian counselor. Of course. Yeah, and... Somebody who would really understand you. Right. <laughs> like, what, I don't know if, if our goals will be the same but okay yeah there's like it's like conversion therapy versus yeah. real therapy yeah and so so when your mom when she like said that she had that dream or whatever she was basically saying like she was saying that it was wrong and for you to be acting on that and like because i the way it seemed like you were saying that she said, hey, like, I, I had a vision, basically, and, like, I saw that you were in love with the girl. But but she said, well, what exactly did she say when she brought this up to you? Because you said you broke it off with the girl afterward. Mm-hmm. So what happened? So she, I told her that I I really cared about this this person that I was seeing and that we were we were together and yeah and she she cried and and she of course ex- expressed um how she felt about it and yeah. and it was really it was really intense um and i remember um saying that i wanted to like just move in with her and so because I was living with my parents at the time, and so wow, um, 
but I felt so guilty. I felt so ashamed. And so and I, of course, like wanted, I wanted them to, I wanted them to be happy for me, but because they, they weren't, that's one of the reasons why I decided to end things. I had a very, very close relationship with my parents growing up. Sure. And the one thing that bonded us was, of course, like it was spirituality. It was church. It was talking about God. And so the one thing that brought me really close or made me feel really close with my family was the one thing that like hurt me. And so, um, yeah. so, you know, over time I decided to really kind of stuff everything down and, you know, I went to Bible college. I went into the speaking ministry with my, my mom and I wasn't dating anyone. I just was, I just focused on my academics and school. Um, and I think they thought that it was probably something I was going through as far as like, just this, not like a phase. Yeah, or a weird phase. Yeah, a weird phase or I was tormented by like evil spirits or the spirit of like homosexuality. <clears throat> and wow. Um, but it was just getting to that point where I was just so tired of performing and pretend pretending to be someone that I wasn't because I wanted to keep the peace rather than show up as my true self. And what peace was there really? And there's none, like zero. Um, so funny how that happens. Yeah, and well, it was it was the peace to like keep my relationship with them intact and disregarding how I felt and yeah it, yeah it, so you were trying to keep outer peace while sacrificing your inner peace yeah yeah and so I knew that I needed to actually approach them and I didn't need anyone to come to me and tell me you are this I needed to tell them myself hey, this was not some college phase. I wasn't tormented by the spirit of homosexuality. Um, like, I, this is, this is who I am. Yeah. And so um, I, I, I told her, it was so random. It was at this Mexican restaurant in our, in our town, where yeah was this in arkansas this is in arkansas and it's and she brought it up too it it, and she brought it up in such a way where i just i i could hear it i hear the i i felt the lump in my throat i was like okay she's gonna Mm -hmm. she's gonna bring it up and but i stopped her there and i said mom i am gay And I think that was such a, it was such a big moment for me because for me to actually hear myself say it to her was giving me like finally the permission to just be myself. Because somebody knew now, like, like, it's not like they thought it was a phase or they, it was like you actually acknowledging, no, like this this is me. This is me. And yeah, yeah, and, and nothing has changed. Um, Where do you think that, because you said that you felt um, afraid and you felt ashamed, mm-hmm. you felt guilty. Mm-hmm. This is the thing that's very confusing to me. Um, it's perplexing that like, any queer person could remain um, a Christian. Mm-hmm. And I know that before, like you had mentioned that you're, you don't technically identify as a Christian because it has a lot of like, mm-hmm. it me- it's a label, right? Christ- mm-hmm. Like being a Christian is a label. Right. Um, just like being queer is a label, right? So like you have to be very intentional about 
what you identify as. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you think that guilt comes from? Like what part of the well have you paled out that you, like how do you separate your faith in Christ from the thing that made you f- feel guilty in the first place? Mm-hmm. And this is why I started going to therapy because it it got to that point where I wanted if I, I have to be completely honest, I wanted to like end my life. Um because of course growing up like I mean even I remember going to church camp and the first time I heard like the the word lesbian, like these girls, I thought they were my friends. And they read into something I did and they they completely freaked out and they like accused me of being a lesbian and they told us right. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I mean man had the tables I've turned, but yeah. still still like and so everyone stopped being my friend. Wow. And of course, like, you know, my my parents were like, you know, don't hang out with those girls anymore. Talk to our pastors and ask them what you, what you should do. And my pastors and my parents were like, you know, you shouldn't hang out with those girls anymore. But I, I All I wanted was, I, I didn't listen to them. I wanted, I still wanted to be their friend because I just wanted to be accepted. And, yeah. um, but I've, where do you think that judgment came from them? Like just to go a level deeper. I feel like it's, that's just been, that has been kind of this predominating like attitude, especially towards queer people that especially being queer and Christian and the two cannot coexist. Yeah. Um, The attitude is you're, God doesn't, God doesn't love gay people. Um, you're not going to be blessed. You're not going to go to heaven. And so, where does it say that? Oh, like because you you read the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. So where where does does Jesus ever specifically say anything about homosexuality? Because never... I don't think he did. He never, he never did, and I think that's where like we run into the, the, the dangers of taking, like the Bible literally. Like when people think of like, oh my gosh, there's that scripture where it's an abomination that homosexuality is abomination. And isn't like that the only one? Isn't that like the only time it's mentioned aside from like King Solomon maybe? Which right. and that's not even explicit. It's not even that we. Yeah, valid. But I'm also I'm also thinking like, okay, like abomination. Well, okay, it was an abomination for several reasons. One being like if any if I'm gonna I'm gonna kinda kinda dive deep here for a bit. <laughs> okay, so like it's an ab- abomination for several reasons if you think about like okay the okay i'm gonna be real this is an explicit podcast (laughs) say what you need to say okay so like (laughs) okay so so the semen from a man it represented like the beginning of life Mm -hmm. woman the the woman represented just the incubating space for that. So if any semen was spilled for any like non-procreative like reason, it was equivalent to like murder. It was a crime. Because you're spilling life, like you're wasting life. Right. Right. That's a good point. And and it's funny because that is like there there does seem to be some uh some truth to that some like greater truth to that Mm -hmm. in the sense that like that is how babies like that's how any of us exist Mm -hmm. in a way Mm -hmm. so like i acknowledge that Mm -hmm. but it's 
that attitude totally has carried over into modern day. And, and like, they won't say that explicitly. And like you, I've never even really thought about that specifically, but that's a really good point. So continue. I'm just, I'm piecing things together for myself too. And I just like, I don't know, a part, like, I just want to like take a step back and just tell people like, Hey, like, let's talk about, let's, let's talk about some things here. Like, let's talk about like the double standards that you see, especially with like social regulate like regulations among women, especially, I mean, it doesn't say in the Bible. I think it's in Genesis, it's in the Old Testament, where a son couldn't look at his dad if he was nude. I mean, okay, so that means, like, we don't have um, lock-ins at church. We can't swim in the same swimming pool with other guys who are, like, partially, like, naked. Yeah, half-naked. Half-naked. I see what you mean. Um, Okay. Do you think that would have, they would have, like... Because, yeah, I mean, you see it's depicted as, like, people wearing robes and stuff back then. Right. Um, which a lot of the Bible takes place in kind of the Middle East area. Mm-hmm. And it's hot as hell over there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, very deserty. So, yeah. like, it, it would make sense that they're covered from the sun. So do you think that that would count? Like, if um, if you saw your dad without a shirt on, like, oh, that, yeah. that is applicable? Oh, yeah. Or good point. let's talk about... I mean, let's talk about women and their marital status. I feel that, like, I feel that Paul, no offense to Paul, like, I know that God used him in incredible ways, but he was also imperfect. He was human, just like us. Mm -hmm. And so I would love to have a, a conversation with Paul about some of the things that he talked about in regards to women's rights, I mean, I mean, women didn't have any like, any rights at all. Any then. rights? Like, I mean, uh, like a married man could go sleep with an unmarried woman, and he would be fine. But but then they would call that child a bastard. A bastard. Which yeah. is funny because it's like, yeah. There's some odd inconsistencies with logic and hmm. cause yeah, I, I wanted to kind of like dig into the, where this belief even comes from of like homosexuality is a sin, like considering it an abomination. Like we also got to think about this was earlier on in human history and like life ex- life expectancy was lower because there was a lack of modern medicine. Um, the chances of like disabilities and things like that were probably much higher due to, you know, a lack of like clean water and all sorts of stuff. But we were so focused on like reproduction, like people had children with their children sometimes thousands of years ago. So it would make sense that there's this belief of like, oh, any, any amount of semen that's spilled or wasted is an abomination. Um, like if it can't be put to use, then you're sinning. But, because there's also this idea of like, and I do think that our ability to create life as humans, like a man and a woman able to create a child, like that is kind of a, it's a superpower it's it's a level of creation um, but you could also argue that art is is just as powerful mm-hmm. right right like the ability to like you you take your trauma and your pain and your hurt and you take all this evil ugly stuff you filter it through yourself and you give birth to something beautiful mm-hmm. which is art mm-hmm so yeah, it's not alive, but it lives through you and it lives through everybody else. Yeah. So that the the reason why this is so fascinating to me is because growing up also in a very like strict Christian religious household, 
um, I was surrounded by this belief that homosexuality was a sin, but that was another one of those things in the back of my mind that didn't make sense mm -hmm. to me. I'm like, who cares? Mm -hmm. Like, why is it that big of a deal? And I was never able to really like acknowledge that right. until later, mm -hmm. but it was something that never resonated with me mm -hmm. um, because it just seems so silly. So I'm glad that you brought up the, the like, physical ramifications of that and and the perspective from back then. Um, and I think that matters. I think you're right. There's a lot of people that take it way too literally, and that causes them to, to. It's just ridiculous in my opinion. But I'm curious what your thoughts are on the other part of the equation which is that if homosexuality is a sin and your sexuality is not a choice, it's something you're, it's a part of you. Mm -hmm. um, you can choose to act on it just like a straight person can choose to act on their sexuality, but like we don't shame them for that. So right. and I say them, including me. Um, what's your opinion on if homosexuality is a sin, a God creating somebody with that built-in sinful desire like is that a piece of the puzzle that you cut or like a part of the well that you had to scoop out like what are your thoughts on that i don't i feel that like god i mean for one thing i fully believe that god doesn't he doesn't make mistakes he didn't like he fashioned me the way I was meant to be and so I don't believe that I, I, just, I just don't I don't know and these are questions that I still I'm still working through I'm I'm the journey never ends and so I'm yeah. I'm just getting to that point where I am I'm I'm feeling okay to like ask those hard questions but unfortunately they'll come with easy answers yeah it's the teaspoon thing it's the teaspoon thing yeah i'm like dropping rocks this whole time <laughs> <laughs> you you've been gripping that for yeah i've just been like <laughs> um those questions are like asking a lot of those questions is what led me to the um the perspective that i have now on religion as a whole and there were a lot of things that I thought were going to be a part of my foundation forever that I've now come to a place where I see it differently I mean and that's even coming from well in the language of Christianity it is there's this passage I believe it's in first Corinthians where it talks about how you can't feed a baby like solid food. Mm. They'll, they can only like receive milk at that time, but over time, like they, their taste buds will, will change. And they'll grow teeth. And they'll grow teeth. <laughs> kind of a, yeah, a little detail of that. We, yeah. Yeah. And so with that being said, like we're, Christians, all of us, all of us humans, we're we're changing. We're not we're not going to be drinking milk our entire lives. Yeah. So you say you think that these asking these hard questions is just a process of like kind of growing teeth and learning how to bite off some bigger chunks. Yes. Yeah. And I think, and I'm so. I'm so grateful that I am where I am because I think it's a really, it can be really not, it can be scary at times, the uncertainty, but I also have a peace too, to keep seeking and to keep reaching instead of just being stuck with one answer. Like, oh, the Bible says this, so it's true. Like, as long as I, I pray to Jesus 
I'm never going to have like any problems. I'm never going to have pain. And so for me to be where I am, like I, I feel like I have this, like a, a deeper access to God in a way that I didn't before, because now I'm in a place of, man, I, I want it. I want to know, I want to know more. And I feel like I've put him, God, the divine creator, whatever I've put God in this box for the longest time. And he's, he, he breaks that, he breaks those barriers and yeah, it's, it's a really beautiful experience to have those hard questions. Yeah. You said putting God in a box, which the imagery of that resonates with me because in a way that's what religion seems to do. Mm -hmm. You have all of these religions all over the world mm -hmm. and they all think they're right. Mm -hmm. And isn't that so funny that like everyone knows that every other religion thinks they're right, but they still think they're right. And it's like, yeah. oh, we have the truth. Really? Yeah. And so yeah. like, there are so many things in, in different religions in the past and science is the same way because it seems like science and religion are always fighting when really I think they have two pieces of a puzzle mm -hmm. that's greater than we can imagine. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, with science, religion, we find that certain things that were taken as truth before mm -hmm. turned out to just be personal opinion yeah. or misrepresentation or misinterpretation. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not like everything is like that but there are a lot of things mm -hmm. that we thought were true or factual and they just turn out to not be the case mm -hmm. and so humans create these boxes because god is such a a grand concept and and like god is so beyond us whatever that even means mm -hmm. like because well, i believe in god in my own way mm -hmm. but i've never seen a man in a white robe like mm -hmm. come down to me and literally I could convince myself that I have mm -hmm. I could convince myself that I've seen God in the flesh but I have it mm -hmm. and I wouldn't be surprised if anybody that's on earth today who says that they've seen God in person I wouldn't be surprised if they have also convinced themselves of that instead of it actually being true mm -hmm. but I also am open to the idea that they actually have so like putting God in a box is kind of what religion is really good at. It's it's putting constraints around our our ability to conceptualize divinity. Right. Um, and so when you ask these hard questions, you start breaking down the the barriers of this box. Right. So yeah, it's it's really important to do that, and that's kind of the whole point of this podcast is to not just for religion but everything else just to question everything um i'm curious how this questioning process for you like where it's led you because we've briefly mentioned things about astrology like in our conversation before <laughs> um, yeah. you know so you there's like your sexuality there's astrology you've mentioned um like energy and things like that so yeah I'm curious like where you're at now with your spirituality since you don't consider yourself religious you believe in Jesus Christ how does all of that play together I feel that and I I think about one of my best friends she happens to be a therapist nice <laughs> nice I did her with all my relationship problems there you go it's nice um <laughs> I'll never forget it what she said to me one time when I felt so like limited and that I, f I felt kind of immobilized in my faith and where I wanted, how I wanted to proceed forward. And I'll never forget what she said. She said to me, I think the worst thing that you can do is fear that you can't have a relationship with God just because you're you're fearful that you can't. Yeah. If you stop having a relationship with God because you're fearful that you can't, then 
you know? And, yeah. and so, and that like etched a mark on me like so deeply because it made me think like, who am I to just automatically just write this, this all powerful, this very personal like being to not want to give me the desires of my heart and to give me wholeness and peace. And so I feel that lately it's been me kind of taking control of that pen and yeah. I'm rewriting some things and how I see God because yeah. I can. Do you feel like you're, at least for me personally, like I felt afraid of God mm -hmm. in the beginning mm -hmm. and I don't feel that way anymore because I've asked these questions. It's like if God, whether or not God has always been God or God ended up in that position because of a, a journey of progression mm -hmm. and growth, um, because I see parallels, right? Just as a parent raises their child and the child eventually goes on their own mm -hmm. and starts their own family, like God could be the same way. We don't mm -hmm. know that. Uh, right. And so do you feel like that you being afraid of having, a, being afraid that you can't have a relationship with God, do you feel like that was just in intrinsic to who you are that you just, always had this perspective that like God was something to be afraid of or do you feel like that was imposed on you by the religion that you grew up in I think it was imposed by the fear that because I was that I'm gay that I I can't I can't hear from God I can't have like a loving like relationship with him he won't show up in my everyday but, you know, I look back at that moment in my parents' living room where she said, where my mom said, you know, I had this dream. So I automatically took that as, that means God doesn't want me to be gay. Mm. And so I ran with that my entire life. Yeah. And so it got to this point where I thought about it and, and I was like, let Maybe that was that didn't mean that God was saying you can't be this what if it was just a message that God was telling my mom and Hey, she's gay. Hey, yeah. <laughs> like hmm. and so and, and I think that's the one thing that a lot of I, I think when queer people, especially queer people of faith, when they come out and they hear like comments like what like but what about this or this like you can't be this because of this and the labels like, the labels and well you've changed like and this was all a lie and like, I, I can't I think back on like really significant moments and opportunities and experiences that were real where people came up to me and were like, man, thank you so much for sharing this. It really touched me. And I mean, it, it could have been like in a, in a religious space, like church, whatever. Like, so I was gay then. Yeah. Nothing. And you, and you had an impact on them and you, do you believe that God was working through you to have that impact on them? I believe that I was just being me and I was using the gifts that I had in me. And that was Meg then and this is me now. And and God can use, God can use anyone regardless. What is, so... What do you feel that God is using you for? Like, what does God use anybody for? 
what has he used me? Yeah, I know. What do you think? Because, I mean, the the verbiage of using is very interesting to me, and I've it's, like, a very common thing. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if, like, if that's just a thing that, because I've heard it in, in a lot of different churches, like, yeah, God right. yeah. using his children, right? right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm curious if, like, you've questioned what that really means to you or if or if that word using doesn't even really accurately reflect what you mean by that like mm-hmm. i'm i'm curious yeah so i guess what i what i mean is god can if i want to share love if i want to share light will you bring me people will you bring me to those people will you bring me into those places that need that like like for example i remember after coming out i wanted to continue doing art yeah and i wanted to specifically uh work with queer people um in the music industry and so it it was really cool how it all kind of unfolded um last year right after i came out i started getting more experiences and opportunities to collaborate with queer artists who shared very similar narratives to mine and of course, it's always really cool and really special when your worlds kind of overlap in that sense. Yeah. You're just kind of, you just work really well together just because you're on that kind of like same. Been through the same stuff. Been through the same like... stuff. You know? Yeah. 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 And so I just remember having a conversation with God right after I came out. And I was like, I, this is what I want to do with the gifts that I do have, if I can, if I can bring photo, if I can bring video, or even just a conversation into the space, where, the spaces where I would work with these people, totally. Yeah. So, do you feel like that's God? Because I feel like the 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 way that we. The words that we use to describe something, mm-hmm. um, especially if it's just like kind of a default way that we describe yeah. something, yeah. is very telling of um, our subconscious. And yeah. so I'm yeah. curious, do you feel like that's God using you or do you feel like instead that's God caring for you and caring about who you are and what you want to do and is simply providing opportunities for you yeah yeah totally i feel that it's been absolutely absolutely both really yeah using and i i say using because i'm again in the christian language we we would refer to god using me like to do his work using me to carry on his will to do this or or carry out this task etc so what do you think that is for me just in general like what is god wanting to use us for like what is his work i i solely believe to love others that was the commandment of the commandment of jesus was to love our neighbor huh. and if I can show up as my true self and and love other people, especially people who have been really hurt by the church, yeah, then I feel like i've I'm accomplishing something. Because I, I I don't want them to, I don't want them to feel ostracized. I don't want them to feel alone, especially. You don't want them to be afraid that they can't have a relationship with God, kind of like how you felt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
I resonate with that, you know, and I think that we, um, whether or not God is a, a, a singular man or an energy or all of us, like I, I don't think that it's for me to say, but I'm, I'm on the same page. Like I want to spread light to other people. It's, it's an art form. Mm-hmm. Like the things that we do, your your photography, your work with artists, um, this podcast for me, like this is an opportunity for us to take the evil that we've experienced mm-hmm. and turn it into something good. Mm-hmm. And so I really appreciate you sharing your story with me. And it was, it was really cool to, you have a very interesting um, you have a lot of interesting buckets of water that have been like <laughs> poured into this well. Lots of things and, that are mixing. Yeah, and you know what? That's cool because that's it shows your individuality. Like that's the goal, right? Is to mm-hmm. is to just be one hundred percent you, and that a lot of times means dropping labels that have a constructed identity already mm-hmm. which is why when we were at brunch earlier like <laughs> you had mentioned i don't i don't classify myself as a, as christian because that means certain things right. including thinking that homosexuality is a sin so you're a follower of christ you're a photographer you're queer you're <laughs> is there anything else that you'd like to say as kind of a final thought maybe to to other queer people of faith or even queer people that but really just anybody that's gone through a difficult situation with religion like what would you what advice would you give them that no one can tell you how you how you're supposed to feel that no one can tell you how you're supposed to experience life how you relate and interact in this world with people and then no one can tell you how your relationship with God is supposed to look like. Mm. Like you can't tell me how I'm supposed to feel. Yeah. And that it it takes time. I know that we want an immediate antidote. That we want all the answers, of course, by you know tomorrow maybe. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> that would be nice, yeah. <laughs> But you can't, and as someone who came out very late in life, yeah, um, you can't, it's easy to be discouraged when you see other people who are living their life so, like, just freely, and nothing is, is, is angering them down. Yeah. You know, and I look at them, and I'm like, man, I want that man, I, why did I have to come out late, you know? But, you know, when you begin, that's when you begin. You got to start somewhere. And if, you know, if you started two weeks ago, all right, that's when you were supposed to begin. So I think there's a lot of, like, there's love and there's a lot of grace that you have to give yourself to remember that, okay, you started now. You're in the right place. You're in the right place. Now is now. And so just... Yeah, it takes it takes time. Yeah, well, that's I love that. I think that's something that we all need to hear. So, if people want to check out your photography or book you or just see your art, where can they find you? So I'm I have a Facebook, but I feel that ninety percent of the people who validate me are my mom's friends, so I don't go <laughs> on Facebook. Gotcha. And I'm, I'm pretty active on like uh, Instagram, which is where I do a lot of my just sharing of just work and art. Um, but you can find me um, at Meglin's Photo. Okay. I'll put it in the description. So, awesome. find you. Thanks for coming on um, and just being open and vulnerable. Like that we talked about some heavy stuff today. Yeah. I'm surprised I didn't. 
I didn't cry. This is this is a, a Good record. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> definitely a record. Well, crying is allowed, um, but I'm yeah. I guess it's if you don't have to. That's great. <laughs> so yeah. Well, we'll maybe um, when the podcast blows up and there's a million people watching, we'll have you come on again. <laughs> Thank you.